This is The Guardian. Today, the first in a two-part investigation, how a luxury British motorcycle brand became the vehicle for a multi-million pound pension scam. 
So over the next two episodes, that's what we'll be doing. From The Guardian, I'm Noshi Nikbal. Today in Focus, the Great British Motorcycle Scam, Part 1. Simon, where should we begin with this story? Well, maybe we should begin with Neil. Hi, Simon. Please meet you. Hi, Neil. You you know my name? (laughs) Real family man. That's my grandson, Little Jackson. Yeah, he's 15 months old now. Lovely lad. Gingerish hair, moustache. Bit of an ageing rocker, so he's Uh, got this ACDC tattoo. Oh, wow, you've got a tattoo. Yeah. um, Who is that? That's Angus Young, uh, lead guitarist. Seen him nine times, ACDC, so... Oh, and the phone, uh, when it rings, it, it rings uh, to the sound of a, a motorbike revving up. Has a, v- a very sort of quick but soft speaking style, but also says very blunt things. I must admit, Simon, every time I spoke to you on the phone, I must admit, I've always pictured you, please don't be offended, as, um, you know, when you try and put a voice to a face, mm-hmm. um, a short, dumpy bloke, uh, 60, <laughs> 75, uh, bold head. Um, I'm not quite, I'm getting there, but um, he uh, he's that kind of guy, he is plain speaking. Please don't be offended. Not quite yet bold, but... <laughs> okay, so he sounds like a bit of a character. Tell me more. Well, he spent 10 years as a bin man for the local council, um, and he loved that job. You know, you you only have to speak to him for a, a few seconds before he'll sort of trot out an anecdote of what it was like to collect the bins. I, I looked out the window and it was actually on fire. And I said, Les, is, is your exhaust broke? It looked like fumes from exhaust. And he said, no, what's up? I said, I said, you better pull over, mate. We're on fire, mate. Of course, we had radio. Having done 10 years on the bins, he then went uh, and spent another eight years with the same council, uh, basically in the back office running the bin collection service so in total he had 18 years at the council uh, building up all the time his pension uh, obviously to fund his retirement and did he then go on to retire no he um he decided that uh, he wanted to to leave the council and set up his own business so i thought right what can i do the only thing i really know is probably the waste game so what i've done um our local authority wasn't offering a commercial recycling service so i thought there's a little gap there to hopefully offer service to recycle. Got a business loan, put me business plan together uh, with the bank. We borrowed £15,000. Which he did with the benefit of hindsight at the most disastrous time. It was just around the time of the financial crisis. The second year and the third year, that's when it started falling apart. He sort of was starting to claim benefits, which he'd never done in his life before. Uh, he was getting into debt. He was borrowing money from from parents um, just to sort of fund a normal lifestyle. But the business basically just wasn't paying to to to, to keep him and his family. So things were were getting desperate. It's stressful. Yeah. One day, Neil got a call uh, from a man going by the name of Simon Davies, and he said he'd got a solution for him. And everything was going to change for Neil if he invested his pension fund in this company called Norton Motorcycles. So what was the pitch? Well, he said two things that 
chimed perfectly with Neil at that point. First of all, and most importantly, Simon Davies said, you can take your pension out of the pot that it's currently sitting and where you cannot access it, and you can get a lump sum that you can spend now that is tax-free. You'll receive a, a cash bonus payment on transfer of your pension um, with only tax implications, you know. And secondly, the remainder of the, your pension can be invested for the long term to fund your retirement in this whizzy, sexy uh, new investment called Norton Motorcycles, uh, which is going to be worth many times more than it is now by the time you come to retire. Okay, so that sounds pretty good. Tell me about Norton Motorcycles. It's a, it's a heritage British brand. It was founded in 1898 and sort of even before the First World War had become a famous motorcycling brand. It's, it's bike won the first ever Alaman TT race. In the first TT held in 1907, there were two classes, one for single cylinder machines and the other for multis. And the winning speeds were 36 and 38 miles an hour became sort of synonymous uh, with uh, Che Guevara's motorcycle diaries. You know, this was the, the bike that Che Guevara sort of was riding around on. Equipo, la Poderosa. Una Norton 500 del 39 que está rota y gotea. It became this sort of... Uh, almost like an equivalent to Aston Martin, I guess, in many ways. It had a glamour to it, had a cachet to it. But sort of as the British motorcycle manufacturing declined, um, so did Norton Motorcycles. By the, the, the early part of this century, it basically was just a brand and there was no manufacturing. But the news that it was for sale, uh, managed to, to get to a businessman that nobody had really heard of in the East Midlands of England called Stuart Garner. It's the sound of one of the most iconic British brands. But for years, Norton motorcycles were silent. That was until entrepreneur Stuart Garner stepped in. And I got a call at the end of 2008 to say that this, the American owner um, pretty well was bailing for the exit and he wanted out of Norton. At that point, he'd spent around 12... He heard it was for sale. He thought it was a good opportunity. I mean, he just took his, his chance. So what do we know about Stuart Garner at this point? Who is he? What is his background? He's a gamekeeper turned businessman. He was wandering around large estates in the East Midlands of, uh, of England. I'm guessing shooting vermin and laying traps and presumably, you know, tendering to <laughs> hedges and things. But um, he began his career as a gamekeeper, but then became interested in all sorts of other things and ended up running uh, a fireworks business for, for quite a period of time. Is the fireworks business that lucrative? How did he manage to raise the money uh, the, the fireworks business wasn't really that lucrative and in, in the end it ended up going into administration 
I mean, Stuart Garner didn't really have the money to buy the brand. He sort of went out there, he negotiated a deal, he sort of scrambled uh, to raise the money by the seat of his pants, asking around sort of people he knew, seeing if they'd have got any money to spare. And eventually he was introduced to this pair of financiers, Andrew Meeson and Peter Bradley. And he just caught them at the most perfect moment because it turned out that they actually had a very big pot of money that was just waiting to be invested. And so they agreed to lend him a million pounds to buy Norton. Blimey. Um, so what was Stuart Garner like and what was his approach to launching Norton? Well, it seems that, that actually what, what Stuart Garner does is, is he can talk a good game. He can promote he can come up with, you know, plans and ideas and and strategies that sound uh, incredibly compelling and uh, get people really excited. And he's he's essentially a, a marketing man, a salesman. Stewart is now hoping his expensive purchase from the Americans sparks a new golden period. I was on my own. We didn't have any stuff either. Um, spent a week or two um, sorting out what the heck to do. I've got a global motorcycle brand. Um, but no staff and no, no business plan and no action plan. So spend a couple of weeks working out, right, what do you do with this you know, amazing opportunity? Um, and one of the first things I did, I came to Donington Park to see whether there'd be space available on the basis that we've got a, a, a fantastic global brand and it needs an incredible address to go with the brand. And what better address than the home of British motorcycling, Donington Park? And that's kind of what he did. He, he, he didn't have the money to, to buy the brand, but he negotiated a deal and then got the money. He got back having got the brand and he didn't have a factory. He didn't have a supply chain to, for, to supply the parts to build motorcycles. He didn't have anything that you would need um, to create a manufacturing business. So he suddenly had to create it, but he started talking a very good game. We're in the, in the 40s now, and in the next couple of weeks, I think we'll, we'll be nudging 50 staff. Over the next two years, we're wanting to be towards 150, maybe a few more. Suddenly, it was all about, we're going to create a, a, a British manufacturer. We're going we're gonna, to, there's going to be a rebirth of British motorcycle manufacturing in the Midlands. It's, we're going to create new skills. We're going to create jobs. This is, you know, we're going to be flying the Union Jack. We're going to be exporting. And lots of people became very excited about that. So it sounds like he had a decent level of black. Oh, yeah, undoubtedly so. So many people who've met him talk about sort of Garner's charm and charisma and drive. And without any doubt, he was a brilliant marketing person, a brilliant salesman. And he used these skills to, to market effectively two brands the Norton brand obviously but also the brand of Stuart Garner so this great heritage British motorcycling mark was owned by this incredibly successful entrepreneur uh, the type of person who would tell a national newspaper that he didn't read books but he drove a silver Aston Martin Vanquish wore a £4,000 Bremont watch and owned a three and a half thousand acre game reserve in South Africa Who's got time to read books? You've got all that money to spend. (laughs) (laughs) What sorts of people were lapping that up and buying up this image of this revived British heritage brand? I mean, 
everybody seemingly who heard this story from Stuart Garner was attracted. So it wasn't just local people and people getting jobs at the factory and supplying them, but it was local politicians. It was national politicians. So Vince Cable was business secretary at the time and uh, came and, and and was instrumental in in the government underwriting a loan that, that the company got uh, from 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 Santander to help fund the business. And there were there were celebrities becoming involved. So the you know Stuart Garner was very keen to sort of name drop Bruce Springsteen or Keanu Reeves. These were the sort of people who were riding these bikes or ordering these bikes. Customer profile would go from 24 to 82 years of age. From celebrities, we go from Orlando Bloom. Bruce Springsteen is in a queue, and we're quite giggled that we've taken three thousand dollars off Bruce, and he's been sat in the queue for a year. And. Uh, We've become reasonable friends with Bruce. There was only one way this company was going, if you listen to, to the story at that point. And in the very early years, when Vince Cable was showering praise on the company, we were emerging from the global financial crisis. Was that image of great British manufacturing actually a reflection of reality? No, because <laughs> they weren't actually really manufacturing anything at that point. It was a dream. I mean, it was... It was fair enough to have that dream, and it is quite a compelling story to have manufacturing jobs uh, and skilled manufacturing jobs producing a prestige upmarket brand. Who doesn't think that that will be a wonderful thing for local communities? Of course, of course it is, but it, it wasn't. It was it was a dream that that was going to take a hell of a lot of work, a hell of a lot of funding, more to the point, uh, and a lot of luck to get to that point. And by 2011, we, there was there was no way that Norton was there yet. And so, what was the approach? How how did Garner then go about making it work in that situation? Well, he constantly de- needed more money, not least to keep telling this story and to keep pitching this dream. Um, and so he, he needed more and more funds to keep Norton going. Um, and at this point, he went back to Peter Bradley and Andrew Meeson, the people who had, had funded his purchase of the brand, and they came up with a good idea for him to get much more than a million pounds into the business. So what was the plan? Well, the plan all revolved around boring old pension schemes, so obviously people save their, you know, for their entire lives by putting a portion of their wages into a pension pot. And that money is invested for you so the pot grows. And over your working life, it can reach hundreds of thousands of pounds maybe. And when you retire, it pays out. Um, in most cases, you don't have access to that money until you've retired. But you can move where your pension pot is invested. And so Meeson and Bradley, that's one of the things they were experts in. And their idea was to convince people to move their pension pots to other investments, including Norton. And they explained to Stuart Garner, we could raise a lot of money for you by doing this, maybe £10 million. And of course, we will take our cut, but you will get what you need, uh, money, lots of it. And Stuart Garner said, yes, that sounds fabulous. So how did they go about it? So Meeson and Bradley are finance people. They're a pair of accountants. They're tax experts. They're certainly not salesmen. And so what they needed was somebody to front this, somebody who was very charismatic, who could get on the phone and ring people up out of nowhere and convince them to take risks on their life savings uh, by offering up thousands of pounds of tax-free cash if they invested 
in Norton. And that person was Simon Davies. And that's why Simon Davies ended up on the phone to Neil. He said, if you invest in Norton Motorcycles UK Limited, uh, we can offer a 10% return um, yearly on your, on your investment. Um, and so obviously at this point, Neil was in dire financial trouble. His business was collapsing. He was offered this chance of ready cash, as you say, tax-free, to pay off all of his debts if he just moved his pension pot over to Norton Motorcycles. This must have seemed like the answer to everything. What was his reaction? Well, I think like anybody in his position who gets a call like that, he's, he's initially elated. And then he starts to think, well, maybe this does sound a little bit too good to be true. So he does some checks. He finds that this pension scheme that he's being sold has been registered by HMRC, which is a, a nice sort of tick in the box and quite reassuring. You know, HMRC is involved. It's registered. There must have been some, some checks there. Somebody must have done some due diligence. So that sounds good. And he... He'd heard the name of Norton Motorcycles as well, and there was a lots of press coverage going around, and it got the backing of the the business secretary at the time. So, so that sounded good too. Check the accounts of the company have to have been checked. Surely, it's taxpayers' money. You know, the government invests in summer. You know, they got the big corporate lawyers to check things out, and they, you know, not, not like not like me. So, yeah, it's got real good credence that it's all okay. And of course. You know, he want he wanted the money. He needed the money at that point. You know, he said, lying in bed, you know, and um, I started some restless nights. I've got this debt. I'm working seven days a week. I'm huffing and puffing. Um, for, I was really in a position I couldn't really do anything else. And so he went ahead and he signed the forms, which meant that the whole of his life savings, £86,000, was transferred to Norton. And then, as promised, he's paid a lump sum. The amount was so, quite substantial. It's £23,000. So obviously I cleared all my debts. You know, a real weight off his shoulders. What happened next? Well, a letter dropped through his door from HMRC and it said he owed £14,000 in tax. A quite brief letter. Um, and it said, um, please make payable in 30 days. So I rang it. I said, well, all this. Anyway, so well, you've been, um, you know, um, our record show that you've received a payment for transferring your pension. I thought, wow. So what had actually happened? So it's what's known as a pensions liberation scam. Simon Davies was basically barefaced lying to Neil. When he told him that the lump sum cash payment would be tax-free, he knew that it wouldn't be and that Neil would be receiving a huge tax bill. All Davis was really interested in was getting Neil to switch his pension pot to Norton and taking his cut. And by the time that tax bill came through Neil's letterbox, he'd long gone. But that's not the only way that Simon Davies was being dishonest. He was lying about all sorts of things, not least his name. So he wasn't really called Simon Davies? He wasn't even called Simon Davies. He was... He was using an alias because he was a bankrupt and he already had a criminal conviction under his real name, which was Simon Colfer. Well, and so was Neil the only victim that fell prey to Simon Colfer slash Simon Davies? Not by a long chalk. He was just one of many. There was 
a huge number of people who got caught up in this scam. Um, it didn't just involve pensions being transferred to Norton, it involved pensions being transferred to all sorts of other businesses around the country. And in total, there was over 800 people who were caught up in this pensions liberation scam. Um, and collectively, they owed £2 million in tax. So if I understand correctly, there's basically this chain. You have Simon Colfer, Simon Davies, whatever you want to call him, convincing people, lying to them to transfer their pension. He takes his cut. Then Meeson and Bradley do all the paperwork to make it happen. Then they take their cut of all of these people's life savings. And then the rest of it basically ends up in this new Norton Motorcycles pension pot, which is under the control of Stuart Garner. It's basically quite a nifty little operation where everybody is benefiting apart from the pension holders. What was Simon Colford doing with the money? He'd been living very well on other people's money. He'd spent a huge amount on online gambling, completely unsuccessfully, you know, eventually losing around about £700,000 of those stakes wads of cash found in the house when the house was raided um there were several sort of cartier watches a millionaire's lifestyle uh, on the the earnings and the savings of normal working people so what were the consequences for simon colfer well he was charged with a series of crimes including fraud and the case went to court but partway through the trial it appears that he, he made some sort of deal and most of the tra- charges were dropped. And in the end, he pleaded guilty and was convicted on just two counts relating to him using a false name and not declaring he was bankrupt. And he ended up with a suspended prison sentence. So he walked out of the court that very day. God, I mean, we hear all the time about teenagers getting arrested for petty crime people being put in prison for small-time burglaries or nicking from the supermarket. And yet, you've got Simon Colfer, who has pleaded guilty to tricking hundreds of people into transferring their pensions by lying about who he is, who is involved in this scheme that has landed people with huge tax bills that they weren't expecting, who is, according to evidence at trial, living a really lavish lifestyle, gambling away people's pension money, getting away with no prison sentence at all. How can that be? That's the legal system. He went to trial. He decided partway through the trial to plead guilty and he was sentenced by a judge. Simon, you said that hundreds of people were landed with these huge tax bills that came totally out of the blue. How did Neil deal with it? Neil did what one of the things that he does really well. He he argued his case. He he pushed back. He he fought uh, HMRC. But fighting HMRC is a very very difficult task for most. Most people, most normal people, unless you've got 
uh, can afford to hire very expensive lawyers. So ultimately, uh, he was unsuccessful. They were so aggressive. There was, n- there was no compassion any way, shape or form. It makes you feel a criminal. It, it just unbelievable. You've got the big corporates of this land, like Amazon, Google, you know, losing expensive lawyers, using tax loopholes. We're a victim of a fraud. And you show no leniency. It's, it sticks in the throat, I must admit. It was, yeah, we can see you owe this money. You need to pay it. And after all that argument, in the end, I mean, I think he, he just thought the only option here is to take out a personal uh, bank loan, um, which what he couldn't get enough for that. So he had to convince family members to also take out loans to help him. Uh, it meant, you know, this what is a slightly humiliating, very humiliating situation of having to sort of admit what had gone wrong and what had happened to him, to all of these family members. Yeah, it's, it's degrading because you, you make your own way in life, don't you? Sorry, you make your own way in life and um, it's embarrassing. I really kept this close to my chest. It's something you don't really want to bounce around in it. I, you know, I always look back, it could be so bloody stupid. Yeah, it, it's, it's awful. You know, I felt really quite low in places when he's trying to sort this out. The total debt is over £20,000, um, which... You know, effectively cancels out what he got out of, uh, of uh, as the one-off payment out of uh, the pension from switching to the Norton pension scheme. Uh, so all of that money's down the drain. There's no benefit to him. And even now, um, almost a decade later, he's still paying off that bank loan. It's about £500 a month. And that that's a struggle for him. Coming up. What did the Norton boss, Stuart Garner, know about the scam that was bringing millions of pounds into his company? Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. 
Visit betterhelp.com slash today in focus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash today in focus. So let's just pause for a second and go back to where all of this started, which is Stuart Garner, who desperately needed investment for Norton, this heritage motorcycle brand that he'd bought. Simon Colfer delivered that investment to him through a scam. And even though Colfer and Meeson and Bradley, they all benefited, they all got their cut. In the end, the person who arguably benefited the most was Garner himself, who now had £10 million of people's life savings invested in his company. And therefore, he seemed able to live this lifestyle you've described of presenting himself as this successful CEO with Aston Martins and luxury watches. What did he know about this scam? Well, at the time and consistently afterwards, Stuart Garner would say that he was another innocent victim of all of this, albeit one who ended up receiving lots of money. But he... He says that he didn't know that Simon Davies was really Simon Colfer. He didn't know that it was a it was a pensions liberation scam. He has spent years, he will say, trying to correct all the mess that has been created by this and brought bad publicity onto him and his Norton brand. He will perhaps, when he's feeling generous maybe confess that he should have done a bit more due diligence or should have maybe looked a bit more carefully at how pensions work and how pension investment work. But he's been consistent. He was scammed. And how does that sit with you? Do you think Stuart Garner was scammed? I don't think there's any chance in the world he was scammed. I mean, the way that I suppose any investigative journalist or any financial investigative journalist looks at at stories that they're examining is about who benefits. And in this case, the the key beneficiary was Stuart Garner. So I kept digging. um, And there was one jaw-dropping moment during that digging um, which convinced me that there was a lot more to this story than, than merely some spivvy pension salesman uh, selling uh, a few dodgy schemes. Oh God, Simon, what are you about to tell me now? Well, Meeson and Bradley, the, the people who Garner borrowed the money from to buy Norton in the first place, and the people who set up the pension scheme uh, which delivered the £10 million into Norton, let's just say they were dodgy, very dodgy. A few years earlier totally independent of Norton, they had been running this other scam, making up completely fictitious companies that didn't exist in real life and using those companies to claim tax rebates. And they raked in millions from HMRC doing this. Uh, And they were convicted uh, for this in 2013. So they had form? Well, they Yeah, they had form, and there are two things of significance to say about Stuart Garner in relation to this. First of all, the £1 million that Meeson and Bradley lent him to originally buy Norton, that came directly from this tax fraud. So Garner had borrowed money, which was basically nicked from HMRC, 
although we don't know for sure whether he knew that or not. But second, and much more damningly in my opinion, by the time the Norton pension scheme was being set up, by the time Simon Colfer was on the scene lying to people, convincing people to cash in their life savings and to put it all into Garner's company Norton, by then Garner's solicitors had received letters that explicitly stated that Meeson and Bradley were under investigation and were going to be prosecuted for this tax fraud. So as the money was flowing into Norton's pension scheme, he clearly had evidence that Meeson and Bradley were dodgy. He definitely did. He must have known. And to me, it seems clear that he went along with the scheme anyway because he needed the money to keep Norton afloat and the banks wouldn't give any more to him. Um, So I think it's fair to say that Garner saying and claiming that he was an innocent victim of all of this, well, that just doesn't really stand up to much scrutiny. I mean, it's just incredibly shocking and so horrendous for the people who've had to pay these huge tax bills as a result of all of this, which, you know, as you've said, in Neil's case, amounted to about a quarter of his retirement fund. But at this point in time, the other three quarters are still there, safely invested in Norton Motorcycles, which is, you know, a company with government backing and which seems to have a bright future. Yeah, absolutely. So, um you know, th- th- these details about what happened with Meeson and Bradley were were not widely reported. Nobody really paid much attention. But conversely, Norton, which had received £10 million via this Meeson and Bradley scheme, um, was getting loads of good press. It was all over the national press and the, the national business press. It was having v- visits from ministers. It's the team here. Yeah, right. We had the Chancellor George Osborne on a visit to Norton with a a big fanfare and a photo opportunity about this brilliant um, new British business. Yeah, fixing the British economy. How this brand was going to be a great export success story around the world. Yeah, British economy motoring ahead. Uh, And with that, and with that appearance, came a whole new tranche. Of, of state funding, um, millions more pounds sort of flowing into Norton. And what do you do for... Yeah, just a, just a spanner. Just, uh, it's a beautiful piece of uh, engineering, isn't it? Mm. And with all that fanfare and all that media coverage, to the outside world, this seemed like an absolutely stellar success story. But behind the scenes... Everything was far from well. And in the end, that pension liberation fraud, you know, those big tax bills that hundreds of people like Neil had to pay, that was just the beginning of a story that was going to get far, far worse. Stuart Garner, charismatic. Yeah, you can talk to birds out the trees. But um, behind the scenes, it was, that money was long, long spent, that pension money, believe you me. And we got the evidence. That's tomorrow in part two. We tried several times during the production of this investigation to reach Stuart Garner for comment, but so far he has not responded. A spokesperson for HMRC said, We do not regulate pension schemes. Schemes register with us for tax purposes only and registration is not a form of approval. Vince Cable 
the former business secretary, said about Norton, I was not aware of any suggestion at the time of criminal and unethical behaviour or that there was any controversy around the company. The department was, from my experience, careful in selecting companies for me to visit and would not have engaged with Norton had any such knowledge been available to it. The former Prime Minister Theresa May and former Chancellor George Osborne have not responded to our request for comment. You can read more about Simon Goodley's investigation into Norton Motorcycles online at theguardian.com. Our thanks to him and to Neil Davis. This episode was produced by Josh Kelly. Sound design is by Rudy Zagadlo. The executive producer was Phil Maynard. See you tomorrow for part two. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.